in five, four, three. Hey, everybody. This is Danielle. Oh, and this is Daniel. <laughs> and this is Carla. We are Hoosier Homicide, a true crime podcast by Hoosiers for Hoosiers or for anyone that doesn't know what a Hoosier is. It's day 50 of quarantine. <laughs> day 555. I don't know what day it is. I don't either. Okay, what are we now? Are we... I went to the store and didn't wear a mask, but I didn't know if I was supposed to. You didn't wear a mask? I didn't know I was supposed to. I thought it was over. No. I thought it was over. She just, the virus just decided it was done. I didn't, I was going to say didn't touch anything by the store. I like use my hand sanitizer. I hold my breath every time I walk past someone. (laughs) And I hadn't eaten anything and I was holding my breath. I was pretty sure I was going to pass out. (laughs) (laughs) They won't even let you in Menards without a mask. They, uh, there was fucking 30 people in line out there. I was trying to go there today. That's how I ended up Did you even Meyer. have your mask? Yeah, I would have worn it in there if they were going to make me. <laughs> I brought it in the store with me. I guess it didn't do me much good. <laughs> I just don't understand what's going on. Is it, you can still get sick even if they're going to open up the I got the governor world. said it was okay. Governor. The governor. The governor said we're going to open things up. We're going to open up. But that doesn't mean the virus is gone. No. Well, you can go to church with more than 25 people, but you can't gather in groups of in more Indiana. than 25 people. Yes, churches are excluded. So the virus does not live in the churches. So it makes sense to me, right? I think it's they're hoping that they will uh, spread out oh, okay. and do more services. Well, then not everyone accommodate. can come, yeah, at the same time. Yeah, they'll just have to do like 10. Like that. In a weekend. Noon mass on Sunday. That should be packed. <laughs> Everyone, no one wants to go to the 9 a.m. Probably, probably would be. Yeah. No, I would stay at my Emily's house and they would take us to 7 a.m. Oh, that's an unholy thing. And I <laughs> I went with them once and I like literally almost passed out. Yeah, I was like, I'm so tired. No, I like was like, I'm not feeling well. <laughs> <laughs> it's too early. And you didn't feed me. You didn't feed me? No. It was so worth it, though, you know, because they don't sing at that one. <laughs> they don't sing at that one? No. <laughs> so it's over in, like, 30 minutes. <laughs> oh, okay. I could do it. Yeah. I mean, there is singing. Like, I like the singing, but I don't like the singing. All are welcome. <laughs> All are welcome. Every now and then I'll get, our God is an awesome God. Our God <laughs> is, is an awesome, awesome God. He reigns. Did they actually uh, do that? At- oh, yeah. Ron yeah. Call- yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah, they did a lot of, they did from the sky to the cross. From, from the-, the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I'm hand motions to it. The cross to the grave. <laughs> I liked those. I did. Those songs get stuck in my head all day long. I mean, they were good. I liked, not right. Re- okay, there's some regular mass songs like on Eagle's Wings or some like sh- hardcore shit like that. But other than that, I would prefer Ron Colley songs, like, yeah. you know, with all the kids singing. Yeah, it's funnier. And the he boys said, would sing as loud as oh, they possibly Oh, come and follow me. <laughs> oh, leave behind your nets. I call you. Oh, yeah, I do know oh, that one. Come and fish with me and your life will never be the same again. <laughs> Poor Boris. <laughs> Poor Boris is getting sung to. <laughs> That's and the boys would sing. Was, I have scream to listen sing. to singing all fucking day long. Oh yeah, <laughs> scream singing. They couldn't get in trouble for it because you're no, participating. You're, you're praying. You couldn't be dicking around, but you could scream sing. They're always watching you. Was it a teacher's job just like scan the crowd, the 
the pews, the risers. And just like Fuck, looking I don't at people know. fucking around. What were you, I don't really think anyone was fucking around. <laughs> oh, ours really were. <laughs> just screwing around, you know, talking. That's It's usually talking. People judge me because I didn't sign up to pass out communion. I don't want to pass out communion. I don't want to pass out communion. I want to do touching stuff. I don't want to do it right now. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> And but, then I never went to reconciliation and like no, the teacher, that. I'd be the one person sitting in the classroom. They'd be like, give you a dirty look. I'd be like, I didn't do anything bad. I, I don't think to confess. <laughs> oh, man. They're like, we know your father. <laughs> don't bring him into this. <laughs> but then like church where we sent daughter to school, like they sing five songs at the beginning, five, five minute long songs at the beginning. So long. I know, and I don't know any of the songs, so it was hard to like. Well, whose you know, fault is that? I don't know. They're all Christian rock pop songs, and but it's just kind of like I don't know any of them. They don't <laughs> sing "Our God Is an Awesome." God. I don't think so. Did they ever sing that? I think those have been uh, retired. Why? Because uh, they're so obnoxious. <laughs> it doesn't require any ability to sing. Because there were a couple people that showed up and started doing hand motions. Oh yeah, and they're like, "Who are you? What are you doing?" <laughs> And I said, yes, Lord, yes, yes Lord, Lord, yes, yes, yes Lord, Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord, 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 amen, amen, amen. <laughs> there were so many songs. That's legit what we would do. Amen, amen, amen. I'm so bored. <laughs> then you had religion class, but that was nap time. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, that was that time. No, I paid attention. No, I did not. <laughs> but I learned that one of the teachers did not read the busy work, mm -hmm. and one of them was like, <laughs> "Pretend to write a letter to the Pope." What? Back in the 15th century, what? and I like my letter was like, "Yo, yo, yo, what's up, my Pope?" <laughs> and I gotta... like, "Okay, well, we're not going to send this one." <laughs> and we didn't read it though because I got a hundred on it. <laughs> okay, so they're just like, "You turned something in, so yeah. that counts." I understand. What's funny is for detention at St. Jude, they made you copy <clears throat> out the Bible. But for religion class really. at Roncalli, they made you copy out the Bible. <laughs> I can't relate, man. Never had detention. I only had it like once, I think. It was for talking. I'm pretty sure. Really? Yeah. <laughs> that shocks me. What would shock you about it? My, that I like to talk? Or was it out of uniform? One. You were out of uniform? Like your shirt tails out. So you could be out of uniform and then you were talking and then you get three and you're like, fuck. Shoot, firing squad, take me now. I got one detention in high school, and you want to know why? Because I forgot my book. But wait oh, a yeah. second. You said you wouldn't know. Yeah. Well, about the writing in the book. They didn't make me do they that. Did, but no. Like, they, they were like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I'll just go clean a classroom. Oh, well, that well, they do hard labor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had to do hard labor before. But it's because I forgot a book. my book. Do I mean- you had to do hard labor before. Where'd you go to high? Where'd you go to high school? North Korea. <laughs> like instead of just sitting in detention, they make you clean shit. Yeah, they were like, "Do you want to clean this or this?" And I was like, "I'll just go to a classroom and pick pick like uh, paper off the floor." And then I just like sat there because mm -hmm. I was like, "I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. I'm smart. I just forgot my book. God, come it's on. 400 pounds anyway." Oh God, you didn't even go. Did you ever keep books in your locker, Daniel? I don't even think you did. I would carry every book you, in my bag. Oh, no, yeah. I never went. My my senior year of high school, I can't even envision in the high school where... No, maybe I can't remember where the senior locker bank was. Yeah, because... Bank? Bank? Yeah, was I there mean... money there? Well, I mean, that's what they called it. Oh, I mean, okay. like, the, all of our lockers were all separated. There was mm -hmm. the freshmen, yeah. the sophomore. 
and we were ours were on different floors. Yeah. Okay. Some that's, of ours. That's, that's what it's, yeah. yeah, some of ours. But you you guys were like all down a hallway and up mm-hmm. against the wall, right? Uh-huh. Well, ours was like um you'd have classrooms down the hallway and then you'd get up and it was this huge open area and in the middle it were these like little tiny hallways oh, kind okay. of but no, you know. I think yeah. I can like picture yeah. that. Yeah. I think a lot of high schools are set up like that. Yeah. Well, we had a top you know, and a the bottom. Ones, the ones that don't do fucking hard labor and stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you really piss someone off at Ron Collie, they'd kill your family. Yeah, that's so. true. Yeah. They yeah. would. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And we had like top and bottom bunk too for a lot of lockers, right? No, I never had that. When was that? I don't know when that was. Top and bottom bunk. Yeah, like the lower you have to squat down for your no, lockers that was on the bottom. Okay, and you're lo- you got a locker on top. I, th- I think that's true, yeah, because Ron Collie had the tall ones. <clears throat> we had ones that, like, you could get into. <laughs> you could get a tiny person could get into. Yeah. <clears throat> that was a weird the, well, thing Well, it has we church as part of it. That's why. So oh, it connects. Yeah. yeah, so that's why it's, it has to do with it. He went from yeah, see? to work mm-hmm. to show the way. <laughs> do I have anything to th- near me to, to throw? throw. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I used to sing at church. Yeah, you did. Because it got you out of first period. Mm-hmm. And you were like the brown nosers. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I couldn't sing, so like that don't. just makes the fact that you didn't bring your backpack, Lindsay said that she never like she skipped class every day pretty much, is what she, Oh my god. I'm like, I tried so hard. I know. I, I care. Truly I didn't have a drove backpack. myself insane trying so hard. I had a laptop. And a laptop. <laughs> oh, <my> God. <laughs> oh man, that just makes me sad because, oh, yeah. like, I could have gone somewhere that didn't care. Yeah, that didn't care, and I still would have gotten to the same college. You're right. Yeah, and I tried so hard. I was I didn't try. so late doing uh-uh. my homework. I thought you'd do it, but for tests, you would just know. I'm not one of those people. No, I'm not one of those people. You either. could binge like right before the test. Mom said she could do that shit. Oh, I can do that. Yeah, yeah just binge before the test. I'm like, if I don't know it now. I can like fuck if I <laughs> like read the sentence right before, and I will like be like, I know that's the sentence I need. I could know where it is on the page Ooh. where that answer is, and be like, but I can't see. I know where it is, what paragraph it's in, but I can't tell I you what it is. <laughs> that's called a cock tease. <laughs> you're like, it's so close in my mind. It's so close. <laughs> nope. Nope. I kind of miss taking tests. <laughs> you miss taking tests. You could do a book report. Six book reports. How many? How many days are in a month? Mm-mm. Thirty weeks. <laughs> 30. How many? <laughs> thirty days has September, April, June, and November, and all the rest have thirty-one weeks. So we February. got, and then edit the book report in audio form. <laughs> no, you don't do a book report. Yes, you, I do. You copy and paste. No, but sometimes it's not you easy rearrange to rearrange information. <laughs> yes, that. Let's just yeah. say you research. I research. You're not doing a fucking book report. No, sure. I didn't read the book or the Spark Notes. I listened to a podcast about it. That counts, right? <laughs> See, if you had been able to study like that, would oh, you have yeah. done better? Probably. Because you were, to- were talking about like you're an auditory learner mm-hmm. and I'm probably both. I probably need both, visual and auditory. And then to try to convince myself, you can do You can do this. <laughs> you can do <laughs> it. It's not your fault you're dyslexic. You never give up. <laughs> never give up. Give up never. Never go. Never surrender. And then I tell mom, I was like, I got a D on this. She goes, Did you try? I'm like, yeah. She always <laughs> did you try your best? Yeah, yeah. mom. Goes, that's, that's okay. That's okay. So she wasn't <laughs> one of those people that beat us for I mean D. You know what's funny is so you guys had relatively good grades, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah, I did. Yeah. And if you fucked up, I was like, Well, did you try? I'm like, Yes, mommy. <laughs> I usually did. Where too. my parents were like, 
do your goddamn homework. My grades are fucking shit. I don't know. I don't know. I knew what I had to do to graduate. Oh, yeah. See, that's but that's with that math at Core 40. They didn't have it. So I like didn't have to. She didn't do math. She was just like, nope, nope. Can't make me. It's pointless. And then I was like scared about math in high school. It turns out I was like kind of good at it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You would have been fine. Geometry. I get it. Props that trick. I hear there's something about getting syphilis that causes your math skills to increase. <laughs> so that's when that happened. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm still rather stupid, if you'd like to know, so when my- it comes to math. Oh, I can't. I'm not even good. A you, little bit. Someone is like, I need a dollar forty a mile. And I'm like, you're going to have to tell me what that is. Sir. What that? I don't know what that is. Because I ain't going to do that for you. What is it? She was playing on the piano app on her iPad. <laughs> you get calculator out and you do a dollar forty. It's too much. It's too much. I already don't know times, what you're talking about. They say 300 miles and you put it in so 1.4 nope. times 300. I know. He and the thing, is, I... the thing is, is that I got them on the phone and I get too nervous. You get nervous? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so maybe she... I should try your job. You should. You'd be good at it. <laughs> So she had her iPad out with the keyboard app up and playing <clears throat> not songs, hitting keys. She wanted me to play the Into the Unknown song on the keyboard. I have no <laughs> musical ability whatsoever. And I was like, oh, that's not going to happen. So she thought I was just like jipping her out of something. Like, I just won't do that for you. And she's like, okay, well, then I want you to knit the scarf because it's the scarf that the, the mom dies. But they have the scarf still, the small token. <laughs> Frozen too. Sorry, the spoilers. But the, so the scarf is a big part of it. She wants me to knit that. I was like, well, I also don't know how to knit. Welly, because you often say that you <laughs> are knitting, knitting a sweater. sweater. So yeah, I could see that. But I thought we're going to work on lowering expectations. <laughs> so we're going to work on this. Dog just came over here and farted. Parted. Okay, what is this about? It's about Texas. Texas. Mom and Dad lived in Houston for a while. It's about right? wacko. Mm-hmm. That's about Wacko, Texas. Wacky tobacco. I think this is a little wacko. Yeah. Okay. We both, both, all three of us watched Waco. Did you finish it? No, because I kind of got attached to the characters that were dying. And I was like, <laughs> I don't really want this anymore. I don't want this anymore. <laughs> it's bad. The last episode is the worst. See, okay. You know, I'm just going to learn about it now. Okay. Yeah. Well, Daniel and I watched it all. It's very well done. It's very good. But we just felt like the cult. People were made to feel a little more soft and fuzzy than what they really were. What did you call it? Sympathetic or they? I don't. Want, I keep wanting to say glamorized him, but is that the word you used? No. I don't know. I, th- it worked though because I was getting attached to the characters. Yeah, yeah, but it's like so. Uh, there just wasn't a whole lot of background about who he really was, which is fine. That they weren't telling that part of the story, but it also seemed like they didn't do hardly anything wrong, but they did. Still, the government's fault, but we want to talk about. So then, you don't really know what happens after they put some on-screen text. But I don't know. I felt felt like there was more information to be had, and I'm a connoisseur of knowledge. (laughs) Can you say with a straight (laughs) face? I think, we're this, I think we're similar. I like to know things. I like to know, but then I'll forget. But then I'm like, oh, I know about that, but I, I forget about it. I decided. I wonder if there's an Indiana connection to Waco, Texas. If not, maybe we could just... And yes, we found an indirect flight. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, we're going to go see Chip and Joanna. No. (laughs) Why not? They got 10 kids now. They need someone to run that farm. They're in Waco. Okay. (laughs) But I was looking up, I was like, Waco, and then you put Indiana. And 
quotation marks. So it knows that there has to be Indiana in the search. Turns out there is a Waco, Indiana. Oh, yeah, you did say Look that. it up. <laughs> Tell me how far. That's what I think I read somewhere like. America just recycles names. City names. But and it said in what I read that it is named after Waco, Texas. Interesting. I don't know how I don't know if it's like two hours south of us. Where am I? It's like it's a little bit Oh, of, okay. You're um, sitting in our house, Carla. <laughs> it's near Washington. We're in Washington. <laughs> <laughs> so um I guess you could say like southwest. Two hours southwest. Yeah. About that. Is I mean it's a blip. It's I between Bloomington and Evansville. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know how many people are really there, but that's what it said. And even if that wasn't a connection, I have two other ones that we could use. If you are ever going to Dogwood Lake, you'd be close to Waco. Speaking of Dogwood, Boris Boris had a chubby the other day. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What is their name of their religion? What do they call themselves? Davidism. The Branch Davidians. Davidians. Yeah, yes. also known as The Branch. <laughs> I'm the assistant to the original branch I'm manager. Assistant, so I'm the assistant to the original manager. <laughs> Are a religious group that originated in 1955 from a schism in the Shepherd's Rod Davidians. So this is all from Wikipedia. Not because I'm lazy. I mean, I am, but Wikipedia just has the best information. So Wikipedia has a bunch of other little sources. So those little numbers. Mm-hmm. If anyone's interested, they can go click on them numbers. So everything, everything's cited. <laughs> yeah. So I don't just, understand why you can't use Wikipedia as a know. source in college essays. I don't know, because you understand. have to go and like make it up. I don't mm. understand. Because you can go in and edit Wikipedia. Yeah, that's true. I mean, anyway, people do it though, and then they, they fix go it. back or and it see puts it's citation needed. Yeah. That if people are making shit up or taking liberties, they're like, Mm-mm, prove it. Make my own Wikipedia page. Yeah. They'll take what it about down. about myself? They'll take it down. <laughs> no, you're not important. It doesn't matter. It'll be my name, and then all it'll say is, does exist. Does exist. Currently. <laughs> okay. And following the death of the Shepherd's Rods founder, Victor Hutef, Hutef, H-O-U-T-E-F-F, doesn't matter, he dies. Hutef. Hutef. Victor founded the Davidians based on his prophecy of an imminent apocalypse, which would involve the second coming of Jesus Christ and the defeat of the evil armies of Babylon. Do cults always apocalypse and Babylon? Do those always go together? Okay. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> As You're the, the cult expert. Yeah. No, I'm not. I just know that I could be susceptible to one. As the original. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying I would be good at it. I'm just saying I would be susceptible. As the original Davidian group gained members, it... Uh, its leadership moved the church to a hilltop several miles east of Waco, Texas, which they named Mount Carmel. There you go, Mount Carmel. After a mountain in Israel mentioned in Joshua nineteen twenty six. In the Carla, Bible. what is Joshua nineteen <laughs> verse twenty six? Um, and a- he who go to Mount Carmel be <laughs> rich, <laughs> rich, super rich in faith. <laughs> See, he- rich in faith or flavor. What kind of what kind of caramel is it? He who lives in caramel is a North Sider. (laughs) We don't like you. He who smelt it dealt Dealt it it (laughs) on the North Side. Okay, I don't know what Joshua nineteen twenty six is, but it's something to do with a mountain. Do you know what it is? I was on the right path, right? It's the Old Testament. Joshua nineteen twenty six. I should have done that better. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Malekele. Okay. Alamalek. 
<laughs> Ahmad and Michal on the west. The bounty touched Carmel and Sechoch and Libna. Yeah, a Carmel. I picked. I heard Carmel in there. Yeah. yeah okay. Allah uh, Malake. I don't know. I don't know what, <laughs> what it language means, it is. <laughs> okay. A few years later, they moved again to a much larger site east of the city. In 1959, the victor's widow, Florence, announced that the unexpected Armageddon was about to take place, and the members were told to gather at the center to await this event. Many of them built houses, others stayed in tents, trucks, or buses, oh. and most of them sold their possessions, which is nice. I mean, if you're not going to need them. Following the failure of this prophecy, control of the site, Mount Carmel Center, fell to Benjamin Roden founder of the Branch Davidian Seventh-day Adventist Association, Branch Davidians. God. He promoted different doctoral beliefs. Upon Roden's death, control of the Branch Davidians fell to his wife, Lois. Lane? Mm-hmm. Lois considered their son, George Roden, unfit to assume the position of prophet. She's like, oh, no, I gave birth to you, but Man, you are not qualified. There's usually never a woman no. in charge when it comes I know. to the uh, Well, usually if the husband dies, I think they sometimes it defaults to the woman, but not always. Sometimes there are women in charge of cults, but this one, usually the firstborn is like right in line, but they're saying this guy kind of sucked. George. Damn. Uh, instead, she groomed Vernon Howell, later known as David Koresh. Yep. So Vernon is his given name. What do we look up about Vernon? I think his, I don't know where he was born. Oh, uh, you told me to look it up. Yeah, and I, I did. I kind of, I mean... Because this got sided because there's so much here. I sent you a picture w- with my face and a paintbrush in it to let you know that I was painting. Busy. I'm cooking. <laughs> I'm cooking. <laughs> You're like, okay, I didn't ask you that. No, I think his mom had him when she was 14 and turned out 14-year-olds don't make great parents. He was born in Houston. Okay. He was beat a lot by stepdad. He was around. He, was, he grew up in not a good, stable environment. Mm-hmm. Yes. He lived with grandma problems. for a while and went to school and turns out. He got put in the special ed class. What is his disability? Dyslexia. Yes. Yep. So it was hard. So he got made fun of and it was harder existing as a child with a bad home life and a learning disability and kids are mean. So I think that. So it's like he's got problems somewhere. It just wasn't a good. It wasn't great. Mixture. He got a girl pregnant when he was old enough and she was not old enough. That's where it began. She had an abortion. So that ended that. And then he was laying in the back of his truck and heard the voice of God that told him he... He wanted to be a musician first. Did he? I didn't get that far. Okay. He wanted, yeah. to, be, he wanted to be a rock star. And there's actually... Um, uh, there's video of him playing where he almost looks like he uh, he belonged in an 80s hair metal yeah. band. And from what I... The very little I heard, he sounded good. Yeah. Like it's not just... I have a church i'm he, going to play music he had some talent mm-hmm. i don't know the beginning of the show is and then like, he wanted to write he wanted to write christian-based metal music creed no okay i don't I think like it creed. was that well done but okay. that's what he was wanting oh, yeah. to do well that's i mean he should have done that so a lot of times then at some point he decided he hears the voice of god and that he's the next messiah You're like got it check mark me too. Me too. I don't. It's just one day he like God started talking to him. Yeah. Oh, I lis- also listened to Wondery. They have like a six part on this. I haven't finished it, so I'm not as informed as I could be. <laughs> okay. 
1984, a meeting led to the division of the group with Vernon slash David leading one faction and George leading the competing faction. After this split, George ran Vernon slash David and his followers off Mount Carmel at gunpoint. They relocated to Palestine, Texas. After the death of Lois and probate off her estate in January 1987. What are the odds they're in? They got ran out of Mount Carmel. That's in Waco, Texas to Palestine, Texas. Is it a coincidence? Palestine, mm-hmm. you know, and if you smash in the religions and part stuff, of it, the, and the Christians and stuff. Annie. Well, that's I keep yes. thinking New Palestine. Isn't that a that's new a Pal- place here? There's a New Palestine. Yeah. In. Okay, but there was a. But they I had think teams, most people, sporting event teams. They well, were we often new Pal. say New Pal. Yeah. Okay, that's where I know it from. <laughs> 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 and I think they're usually pretty good, if I recall. Yeah. Well, George had okay. <laughs> So George is in control. This is Lewis's son, who she didn't want to be in charge, but he is. And he's got Mount Carmel. And George had dug up the casket of one Anna Hughes from the Davidian Cemetery and had challenged Vernon slash David to a resurrection contest to prove who was the rightful heir Excuse to me? leadership. Excuse I me? I challenge you to, resurrect. to a resurrection I off. already got her halfway out, so it is that much easier. Because if she was in the ground and you said, I resurrected her, I'm like, well, she's trapped in that coffin. <laughs> like, no, no, dig you her up. You didn't see it. She's, it's happening right now. She I can took feel a it. breath. Okay, so they want to dig her, uh, dug her up. And instead, he went to the police and claimed George was guilty of corpse abuse. But the county prosecutor <laughs> refused to file charges without proof. I'm like, well, you say he dug up a body, but you don't have proof of the body. It's like, fuck. Come to the resurrection <laughs> and we'll show, show you. you. On November 3rd, 1987, Vernon slash David and seven armed companions tried to get into the Mount Vernon Chapel with the goal of photographing photographing the body and the casket as evidence. George was informed of the interlopers and opened fire. The sheriff's department responded about 20 minutes into the gunfight during which George had been wounded. Sheriff Harwell got Vernon slash David on the phone and told him to stop shooting and surrender. So, like, I feel like the city or the little town around them, they all kind of have jobs outside. And they all, I think they got along pretty well with like local government. I think David gets in trouble for this. Um, yeah, because he has a mugshot, right? Vernon slash David and his companions dubbed the Rodenville Eight by the media were tried for attempted murder on April 12th, 1988. So if you come onto someone's property and start shooting it up, it's like, and someone gets wounded, it's attempted murder. Like, you it's can't typically, do that. you yeah. can't do that. No. It's typically against law. Typically, typically. Allegedly. <laughs> Seven were acquitted and the jury was hung on Vernon slash David Howell's verdict. Even with all the effort to bring the casket to court, <laughs> the standing judge <laughs> refused to use it as evidence for the case. They're like, we brought her. She said we could. Mary said we could. <laughs> I think it was Mary Hughes. Yeah. He brought the evidence. They wanted to. He wanted to bring it and the judge was like, nah. I know, man, that sounds that's really No, bro, I'm cool. Like, it kind of, when you do that, then then you kind of do the thing that we yeah, were talking about. about. The thing is bad. The bad and like, I don't know what level of, of decay, like if she was fresh or if she was like, fresh. you know. Like, <laughs> she was a little stinky. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what level that was at. Why would you want to resurrect a stinky body? <laughs> so they can take a shower? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Um, Judge Herman Fitz ruled that the courtroom is no place for a casket when defense attorney Gary <laughs> No Coker shit! Oh my God. <laughs> requested it be evidence for the case. During questioning about said casket, George Roden admitted to You gotta wonder if he looked at him and said, are you fucking crazy? Like, you've gotta be kidding me. At, at that point, it's, it's okay to ask, I think. George admitted to attempting to resurrect Annie Hughes, not Mary, on three occasions. 
So, oh yeah, I've been practicing on her. Like, uh, meh. how's it going so far? <laughs> it's alive. It's I just alive. need a bolt of lightning. Like, yeah, that's all we're after. All right, good. Uh, check the generator. Yes, master. While waiting for the trial, George was put in jail under a contempt of court charges because of his use of foul language in some court proceedings. Hmm. You were a very religious man. You got a dirty mouth. <laughs> he threatened the Texas court with sexually transmitted diseases if the court ruled in David's favor. <laughs> I don't know how you give a court. And you get syphilis. <laughs> and you get syphilis. So it's like, I'm going to fuck every one of you. <gasps> Imagine. Danielle. Oh, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Alongside these charges, George was jailed for six months for legal motions he filed with explicit language. He couldn't even file like court papers without cursing in it. He faced 90 days in jail for living on the property after being ordered to neither live on the property nor call himself the leader of the religious group in 1979. The next day, Perry Jones and a number of Vernon slash David's other followers moved from their headquarters in Palestine, Texas to Mount Carmel. In mid-1989, George Roden used an axe to kill a Davidian named Wayne Dale Adair, who visited George to discuss Adair's vision of being God's chosen Messiah. Everyone thinks it just gets silly at some point if you've got three men in the same time same time frame, same place that think they're the next Messiah. I was like, I just feel like statistically speaking, this isn't possible. It was like the whole world, all three of you are right here in Texas at the same time. It just sounds like a pissing what are match. The odds? Yeah. What are- So he came to tell George that he was the next Messiah, but George killed him. (laughs) He was found guilty under an insanity defense and was committed to a mental hospital. Shortly after his commitment, Vernon slash David raised money to pay off all the back taxes on Mount Carmel and took legal control of the property. So he's in. This is where it starts. He got his Mount Carmel. August 5th, 1989, David Vernon slash David released the new light audio tape in which he said that he had been told by God to procreate with women in the group to establish a house of David of his special people. This involved separating married couples in the group who had agreed that only he could have sexual relationships with the wives while the men should observe celibacy. And then they all said, okay. They did. They did say, okay, but he promised I don't enjoy it. (laughs) Like I super swear I don't enjoy banging your wives on the regular. This, I think that's what he said. Not for no, my own in kicks. The show, in the show, yeah. he's like, I've just And see, got- that's where I think it's, I don't know. That's where I think in the show from a part of that uh, documentary I saw that, that that part of it's not really true. You mean the, the, not, the Netflix? Him not enjoying it. Yo, yeah. Like, they're trying to make it look like, oh, I started to enjoy myself during it's fucking It's like, I you. need to stop. Yeah, it's like. Mm. I'm like, first of all, you know, you got like things, you have to like some things for it to get going. For it to get going. Saying? You have to enjoy it to a certain extent. You have to because that's it's the way it works. It yeah, I yeah. know because um, I took sexual education <laughs> in high school. <laughs> okay. Vernon slash David said that God had told him to start building an army for God to prepare for the end of days and a salvation for his followers. He filed a petition in California State Superior Court in uh, court on May 15th, 1992, legally changed his name for publicity and business purposes to... David Koresh. I'll stop calling him Vernon slash David now. (laughs) 
On August 28th, he was granted the petition. By 1992, most of the land belonging to the group had been sold except for a core 77 acres. Most of the buildings had been removed, had been removed, were being salvaged for construction materials to convert much of the main chapel and a tall water tank into apartments for the resident members of the group. They're living in like outhouses. <laughs> oh no, like it's not. And I think that is a cult thing. Like they don't necessarily live in good conditions. But on the show, the compound, I'm going to call it the compound. It didn't look horrible. No, I, they made it look, and I think it looks pretty accurate the way they made it look. They did a good job with it. On February 27th, 1993, the Waco Tribune Herald began publishing The Sinful Messiah, a series of articles by Mark England and Darlene McCormick, who reported allegations that David had physically abused children in the compound and had committed statutory rape by taking multiple underage brides, which is true. Yes. He was also said to advocate polygamy for himself and declare himself married to several female residents of the small community. The paper claimed that David had announced he was entitled to at least... 140 wives at at least minimum how did he get that number <laughs> i don't know he didn't have that many no he just but he could have kept collecting them i call that being a glutton for punishment mm -hmm. and he was entitled to claim any of the women in the group as his that he had fathered at least a mine. dozen mine mine <laughs> at least a dozen children and that some of the women became brides as young as 12 or 13 disgusting so i was like they kind of say this in the show like well yeah she was like 13 you know yeah, they don't really. So that's it. where, to me, mm -hmm. is where the line has been crossed. Yeah, it's like. Well, actually, it was crossed long before that, but. Yeah, but so it's like you're collecting people together, fine. You're doing your religion. Why does he fine. need to marry the. Mm -hmm. Like, you can get away with saying, why well, needed to be the only adult married to another woman, but then it's kind of like, you know, if you think you'd wait for the girls to become of age, age and yeah. then it's like you're marrying them off, but then when you're marrying the children. I think the one girl that was the youngest, that was 12 or 13, had her parents' permission. Because they're like, who are we to say she can't marry the Messiah? And it's like, Ugh. yeah, they were all like that. Yeah, because if you read the Bible, it totally says, it's very clear, Jesus says, when I come back, instead of not having sex the first time i'm gonna bang every chick in sight <laughs> <laughs> jesus sounds awesome. awesome yeah yeah it's just bad it, that's it's illegal and now the now the government can get involved like you're, you can't freedom of religion until you start doing illegal shit but they they pull the line of those are man's laws not god law god's laws okay in addition to allegations of sexual abuse and misconduct david koresh and his followers were suspected mm, suspected of stockpiling illegal weapons. This is what the government didn't like. They didn't care so much about the other part till later. Why were they doing it there? They're collecting guns for like the apocalypse, isn't it? Like, well, and I think it was a means of income. Too. Yeah, yeah. Oh. They and I think they had some licensing and stuff to do it. And they clearly, I mean, they had a plan in case they got raided because mm -hmm. I mean they were right to the fucking windows when they knew they were coming. Yeah, they didn't. They weren't given a ton of warning. Nope. In May 1992, Chief Deputy Daniel Weinberg of McLennan County Sheriff's Department called the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, also known as the ATF, to notify them that his office had been contacted by a local UPS representative concerned about a report by a local driver. The UPS driver said a package had broken open on delivery to the Branch Davidians residence revealing firearms, inert grenade casings, and black powder. For example, right here it says citation needed. So that's debatable, that part. But how else did they find out about like how many guns they were getting? Yeah. 
On June 9th, the ATF opened a formal investigation, and a week later it was classified as sensitive. The documentary Inside Waco claims that the investigation started when in 1992 the ATF became concerned over reports of automatic gunfire coming from the Carmel compound. July 30th, ATF agent David Aguilera. <laughs> Christina, Christina. <laughs> and Skinner visited the Branch Davidians uh, gun dealer, Henry McMannon, who tried to get them to talk about David Koresh on the phone. David offered to let the ATF inspect the Branch Davidians' weapons and paperwork and asked to speak with Aguilera, but he declined. But I was like, I can hear automatic gunfire. I'm like, we live next to the, the police. Um, Training. Train, yeah, the police training facility. We lived butted up to it. Remember that? The police academy. Police academy. That's what it is. We butted up to it. So you could stand on this little back hill and watch them like do course training. Like, Oh, the cars. Yeah, skirting around. But also there was a lot of gunfire. I could not tell you when they switched guns, like what the sound was different. But I think this guy had military experience. And that's what he's saying. I could tell what they were firing because I've been in the military. Because at first I was going to call bullshit. I don't know what they're firing. That was cool, though. You can go up and watch the cars race around. Cheap thrill. It's called a free activity. <laughs> Sheriff Hallwell told reporters regarding law enforcement talking with David, just go out and talk to them. What's wrong with notifying them? The ATF began surveillance from a house across the road from the compound several months before the siege. They showed this in the, the Netflix series. The guys moving in. And I don't know how much that they actually knew. Like, they make it seem like right away they they well, were suspicious. They of. did, because their cover was noticeably poor. The college students oh, okay. were in their 30s, had new cars, were not registered at local schools, and did not keep a schedule that would fit any legitimate employment or classes. So they weren't pretending to be just, like, ranchers in the Netflix series. Here, they're pretending to be college. So Daniel and I would be dressed up as college kids. I'm like, you're too old. Yeah, we're in a fraternity, man. man. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they they had just watched Never Been Kissed with Drew Barrymore, <laughs> and they thought, oh, this will work. I don't know. Out across there. the street from the- I don't- Out in the middle of bumfuck. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, I don't think you are- We're really focused on our studies, so mm -hmm. we don't want to be near the campus life. <laughs> yep. Uh, okay. The investigation included sending an undercover, undercover agent, Robert Rodriguez, whose identity David learned, though he chose not to reveal the fact until the, much later on. So, and they show this. Who plays- the undercover agent. Who who the person? Mm-hmm. Um where we were talking about it. He does a Broadway show. If you hadn't asked me. Sorry. He does his Broadway show where he pretends Plus, to be a lot of different people. I have Ooh. I have a headache. I can't oh, think of so I had a headache too. It's headache. contagious. It's because it rained. Yeah, I get them usually. I'm surprised I didn't get one. I need to get my shot too. My migraine shots. Writing the book. I'll let your kid do it. Why is he not on the top of God damn John Leguizamo. Okay. He's been in a if lot you ever of get a chance, what is it? Um, hang on. Um, like he pretends to be his mother. Like he plays all these different. Like he does a he does like a one man change. show. Yeah, it's quick change though. Like just all That's of a sudden cool. does this. But it's really good. Yeah, it was, it's been a while since we watched it. It was funny. What really pisses me off is when I watch a show and I'm like, who is that person? They look so familiar, and then I go look it up, and they are from a show that I literally had just watched. And you're like, oh, and that's I couldn't bad. put that's two and bad. two together. Do you want me to keep going until you no. find it? Okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> no. No. It shouldn't be this difficult. Can you they, just Google it? They used to have a button. Google that one thing that the guy's in. 
No, put in his name. Google, do you know the song? Do, 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 do. Me trying to figure out a song that I heard. Shazam. Shazam. What song is it? Ghetto Clown. Ghetto Clown. Okay. Go watch that. I've tried to sing at Shazam before to see if I can pull the song up. It doesn't work. No, it goes, stop, please. Okay. The ATF obtained a search warrant on suspicions that uh, Davidians were modifying guns to have a legal automatic fire capability. Turns out you're not allowed to modify weapons. I don't like that. Former Branch Davidian Mark Brulette claimed that David had an M16 lower receiving parts, combining M16 trigger components with a modified AR-15 lower receiver is, according to the ATF regulations, constructive Constructive possession of an unregistered machine gun regulated in the Firearm Owners Protecting the Act of 1986. Skip it, That's all they needed. The ATF used the affidavit filed by David Aguilera to obtain the warrant that led to the Waco siege. The official filing date of the affidavit was February 25th, 1993. The McLennan County Sheriff was notified in May and June of that year of two cases of inert grenades, black gunpowder, 90 pounds of aluminum metal, and 30 to 40 cardboard tubes. Furthermore, the sheriff noticed another shipment of 60 AR-15 M16 magazines, to which Aguilera made the statement, I have been involved in many cases where defendants following a relatively simple process convert AR-15s, semi-automatic rifles, to fully automatic rifles of the nature. Okay, so they're converting weapons, is what they're saying they're doing, and that's not hard to do. Is it hard to convert a rifle? What? Could your brother do it? Probably. Yeah. To do, wait, what, what are we doing? <laughs> To converting like AR-15 and M16s, like to make a fully automatic weapon. Uh, that is incredibly illegal. Yes, that's what they're doing. Yes, that's a federal offense. That but is, is it easy to? That's do? not a. Here's your fine. That's a. You're going to prison. Yeah, they don't like it. Could your brother do that? You can. Oh yeah. Okay, that's what. Most, so it's not hard. a lot of guys like it. I think they know how to do. Now I'm sure it's one of those things. Unless you have experience as a gunsmith. You can fuck it up probably pretty easily. And you can blow your hand off if you're not careful. Sure. But, um, yeah. Illegal as shit. Yeah, so don't, don't do that. You cannot, you're not supposed to modify firearms. No. Now, there's, there's exceptions, but again, it's one of those things, if you fuck it up. The Department of Human Services was notified in the affidavit as well. One agent, she went there on two separate occasions, uh, interviewing a young boy of the compound who was in a rush to grow up so he can have a long gun. But lots oh. of kids are grow- lots of kids are raised with you guns in their life. <laughs> so just because one kid said I want a gun, like all the boys in this neighborhood are always pretending to shoot people with their dart guns. Just kind of I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't really know how I feel about that half the time. <laughs> I know, I don't but what do you do? We don't have a boy. She doesn't she doesn't point guns at anything. They all need to get they all need to get gun safety one on one by my dad, which oh. is Daniel, don't ever point a gun at somebody unless you intend to kill them. Okay. Fair. Fair. Which actually I think he was, was something that was told to him. Oh, yeah. Sheriff's deputy. (laughs) And it's true. Don't point it, don't point it at somebody unless you intend on pulling the trigger. Using the affidavit filed that alleged the Davidians had violated federal law, the ATF obtained search warrants and arrest warrants for Koresh and specific followers on weapons charges citing the many firearms they had accumulated. So they don't, appre- but do they have any visual confirmation like that weapon? You took that weapon no. and that weapon and made a baby weapon with those two parts that are illegal. A big baby. So you mean, do they have any evidence? Yeah, I don't know if they have any proof. Like that one guy wanted pictures of the corpse to prove that 
the dude brought it out of the ground. But this, they don't need proof of the weapons. They just know they have them. So they must be mating them together to make Frankenstein babies. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry. I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. Abby normal. I'm almost sure that was the name. <laughs> Are you saying that I put an abnormal brain into a seven and a half foot long 54 inch wide gorilla is that what you're telling me quick quick the search warrant commanded a search on or before february 28th 1993 in the daytime between 6 a.m and 10 p.m the atf made a claim that koresh was possibly operating a methamphetamine lab to establish a drug nexus and obtain military assets under the war on drugs. So why was it they got to bring big tanks in? The war on drugs. drugs. That's why they said. One of the biggest fucking farces. Yeah, and they go, there is a meth lab. Maybe. We have heat signals that there could be a meth lab in the middle of this building. So that checks the box for war on drugs. We can bring in tanks now. I was like, that seems really vague. That doesn't really make sense. It's a war, though, Carla. War! Okay. Although the ATF's investigation focused on firearm violations, not on illegal drugs, the ATF, ATF requested assistance from the DEA and DOD citing drug connections based on a recent delivery to the compound of chemicals, instruments, and glassware, a written testimony from a former compound resident alleging David had told him that drug trafficking was a desirable way to raise money, three several current residents who had prior drug involvement, two former residents who were incarcerated for drug trafficking, and National Guard overflights thermal imaging. They have a hotspot laboratory. Didi! Didi! It's my laboratory! Didi, it's my laboratory! Laboratory! That's so dumb. I can only say the first one. Didi! Didi! The ATF had planned their raid for Monday, March 1st, 1993, with the code name Showtime. Showtime. Yeah, that's clever. You guys think you're cute. The ATF later claimed that the raid was moved up a day in response to the Waco Tribune Herald's The Sinful Messiah series of articles, which the ATF had tried to prevent from being published. So they published it anyways, and I think that's part of what gave him a heads up. Remember, he read something in the newspaper on the show or like that was talking about him, yeah. like, talking bad about him. They had no idea they had been coming. Maybe they wouldn't have had time to... Yeah. Although the ATF preferred to arrest Koresh when he was outside Mount Carmel, planners received inaccurate information that David rarely left it. Because that's what he's like, I go jogging every day. So how if you go jogging like every day, how can that information be inaccurate? Yeah. I just happen to be surveilling every day and happen to miss. I have to pee the same time every day. It was the same time he would go jogging. So that's why I thought he never left. <laughs> I'm very regular. You're very regular. The Branch Davidian members were well-known locally and had cordial relationships with other locals. The Branch Davidians partly supported themselves by trading at gun shows and took care to have the relevant paperwork to ensure their transactions were legal. Branch Davidian Paul Fatta, Fatta, Fatta was a federal firearms licensed dealer, and the group operated a retail gun business called the Mag Bag. Hmm. 
the morning of the raid, Paul and his son were on their way to Austin, Texas gun show to conduct business. So there are a couple of people that weren't there. Yeah, like guns was a big deal and they made money that way. And that and if you got a guy that's federally allowed to buy and sell guns, that's not illegal. And I don't think he was selling automatic weapons. Like, hey, I made these in my laboratory and I'm taking them to sell them. <laughs> I don't think they did that. Uh, let's see. The ATF attempted to execute their search warrant on Sunday morning, February 28th, 1993. The local sheriff in audio tape broadcast after the incident said he was not apprised of the raid. So that was another thing. I was like, isn't the sheriff technically like the head of the county or, you know, like he needs to be told what's going on. If the military yes. or government or anyone else is coming in, they need to tell him like, this is what we're doing. And he's saying they didn't. And on the show, he did not know either. I was, that's extremely rude. If I'm the sheriff and you won't tell me what's going on, so rude. Very. Despite being informed that the Branch Davidians knew a raid was coming, the ATF commander ordered that it go ahead, even though their plan depended on reaching the compound without the Branch Davidians being armed and prepared. So that was the whole thing. The only reason we're doing this is because they won't know we're coming. They know you're coming. Well, but we've come so far already. And they all have their outfits on, like that SWAT costumes. And we got the tanks. So we might as well just go since we're here already. It's like they know you're coming. We'll see. We'll see who's got the bigger guns. So they should have stopped there and regrouped and came back when they weren't suspecting it in theory. (laughs) Which at that point you would think they know at some point you're coming. Yeah. While not standard procedure, ATF agents had their blood type written on their arms or neck after leaving the staging area and before the raid because it was recommended by the military to facilitate speedy blood transfusion in case of injury. So it's like, what are you guys doing that you need your blood type written on you? Like, what is, what is going on? Like, don't worry about it. Just write it on me. Bloody Mary. Oh, positive. <laughs> Bugs life. <laughs> Any advantages of <laughs> you know that part of this yeah. mosquito? <laughs> yeah. Who ordered the poo poo platter? I think mom is is she O positive or I'm O positive. She might be O negative. She's O neg. Any advantage of surprise was lost when the KWTX TV reporter who had been tipped off by the raid asked for directions from a US Postal Service man carrying who was coincidentally Koresh's brother in law. We see that in the show. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what are you guys out here for? Like, well, we're looking for this weird little caramel-coated compound. And he's like, oh. They're getting ready to shoot I have to up. go. Yeah, he's like, I have to go. Yeah, and so he goes right and was like, that's how they found out, too. So I don't know if the military knew that, that some news crew guy told the U.S. Postal Service guy that then told David. And he told two friends. And he they told, told two friends. friends and so, <laughs> so on. And so, so on. on. <laughs> so maybe the, the government, the ATF, couldn't have known about that. David then told undercover ATF agent Robert Rodriguez that they knew a raid was imminent. Rodriguez had infiltrated the Branch Davidians and was astonished to find that his cover had been blown. They're like, dude, we knew the whole fucking time. Like, you guys are not college kids. <laughs> and I think in the show, it what? makes it look like he kind of like liked it there. Like he, you know, the same idea that it's a warm, fuzzy place. There's nothing really wrong here. I don't know why you guys are so upset with us. It's like, well, you're marrying underage girls. This one, you got lots of guns. Can you say having guns is part of my religion? Could you say that? You can kind of say anything. Yeah, you can, you can say, I was going to say, you can say anything you want. When asked later what the Branch Davidians had been doing when he left the compound, Rodriguez replied, they were praying. I was like, well, that means they don't have their guns, right? Branch Davidian survivors have written that David ordered selected male followers to begin arming and taking up defensive positions while the women and children were told to take cover in their rooms. David told them he would try to speak to the agents and what happened next would depend on the agents' intentions 
The ATF arrived at 9.45 a.m. in a convoy of civilian vehicles containing uniform personnel and SWAT-style tactical gear. So they're to fuck shit up, damn it. ATF agents stated that they heard shots coming from within the compound, while Branch Davidian survivors claimed that the shots came from the ATF agents outside. So this is a big, who fired first? And they're like, they did. No, you did. A suggested reason may have been an accidental discharge of a weapon, possibly by an ATF agent, causing the ATF to respond with fire from automatic weapons. Other claims that the first shots were fired by the ATF dog team sent to kill the dogs in the Branch Davidian kennel. So there was, that in the show, that's what it is. His dogs come rushing up to a fence and ATF agent goes, fuck you, and shoots both the dogs. Which is rude. Which is rude. They were big dogs, but that's why we have dogs. So that would have alerted them too. So that's where they're saying they heard the gunfire first. Three helicopters of the Army National Guard were used as aerial distraction, quote unquote, and all took incoming fire. During the first shots, Koresh was wounded, shot in the hand and in the stomach within a minute of the raid starting. Branch Davidian Wayne Martin called emergency services pleading for them to stop shooting. Martin asked for a ceasefire and audio tapes record him saying, here they come again. Ceasefire! Ceasefire! They sh- they're shooting at us. This is not us. So that's on the show too as he's calling like 911. It's like, please tell them to stop shooting at us. And they're like, what are you talking about? Because the government didn't tell them, oh, we're coming in to fuck shit up. So the sheriff's like, I don't even know what's going on. And in the show, they say that they didn't bring any communication devices. So no one could just like radio in on their frequency. He was like, no, they did. They left all their stuff at home. They have everything else buckled into them, but they didn't bring radios. I don't know if that is true or not. The first ATF casualty was an agent who had made it to the west side of the building before he was wounded. Agents quickly took cover and fired at the building while the helicopters began their diversion and swept in low over the complex 350 feet away from the building. I'm assuming that feels pretty close in a helicopter. I don't know. The Branch Davidians fired on the helicopter and hit them without injuring the crew, and the helicopters immediately stopped the mission. Like, they go, hey, 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 I'm here for distraction. I'm not here to get fucking shot. So they're like, putting this bird down. Isn't that what they call it? Putting the bird down. <laughs> <laughs> on the east side of the compound, agents hauled out two ladders and set them against the side of the building. Agents then climbed onto the roof with the objective of securing it to reach Koresh's room and arm storage when they came under fire. One agent was killed and another wounded. The window was smashed. A flashbang stun grenade was thrown in and three agents entered the the arms room. So they have this on video, don't they? News crews were there watching the like the, yes. or the F- ATF agents kind of come through this window. And people are inside the window going, fuck you. And one got shot. And so they throw in those flashbangs. Yes. They throw those in with the women and children, too, in the show. Good. Yeah. Like, well, you didn't need to be able to hear. When another tried to follow them, a hail of bullets penetrated the wall and wounded him, but he was able to reach a ladder and slide to safety. An agent fired with his shotgun at Branch Davidians until he was hit in the head by return fire and killed. Inside the arms room, the agents killed a Branch Davidian and discovered a cache of weapons, but then came under heavy fire. Two were wounded. As they escaped, the third agent laid down, covering fire, killing Branch Davidian. As he made his escape, he, uh, he hit his head on a wooden support beam and fell off the roof, but survived. An agent outside provided them with cover fire, but was shot by a branch of video and killed instantly. So in the show, I leave this because I feel like they don't show how many times the ATF guys actually get hit. Yeah, you see the others. Yeah, you see. And I think they actually made it into that building more than what they show. Like the agents were actually inside this place. Well, I think they needed you for this. They really wanted you to side with them. Yeah, which the government is still wrong. They're still wrong. Yes. But they did get shot. Yes. It's not good. Dozens of ATF agents took cover, many behind Branch Davidian vehicles, and exchanged fire with the Branch Davidians. The exchange of fire continued, but 
45 minutes into the raid, the gunfire began to slow down as agents began to run low on ammunition. The shots continued for two hours. Apparently, this is a really, really long time to be holding yes. gunfire. Yeah. It's like one of the longest, they said. Yep. You think your f- trigger finger would get tired? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you're scared for your life. Yeah. I don't know. Sheriff Lieutenant Lynch of the McLennan County Sheriff's Department contacted the ATF negotiation to ceasefire. Sheriff Harwell stated in the documentary Waco, the rule of engagement that the ATF agents withdrew only after they were out of ammunition. It was like, we're withdrawing. But it's only because we don't have any more bullets, not because you're winning. (laughs) ATF agent Chuck Heistmeyer, Hustmeyer later wrote, about 45 minutes into the shooting, the volume of gunfire finally started to slack. We were running out of ammunition. The Davidians, however, had plenty. Huh. Plenty. And all How did the... Yeah, you know, it's one of those things. How the fuck did the ATF run out of ammo? Although oh, I guess they I probably weren't planning on doing it. Yeah. yeah. Well, for it to last this long, I'm sure it was like, it would have... It should have only lasted, you know, 45 minutes. Yeah. In all, four ATF agents had been killed during the firefight. Another 16 had been injured. After the ceasefire, the Ranch Davidians allowed the ATF dead and wounded to be evacuated and held their fire during the ATF regime. So they let them get their hurt people. Five Branch Davidians were killed in the raid. Two were killed at the hand of Branch Davidians after having been wounded. Their bodies were buried on the grounds nearly six hours after the 11.30 a.m. ceasefire. Michael Schroeder was shot dead by ATF agents who alleged he fired a pistol at them as he attempted to re-enter the compound. That's on the show, too. Someone's, like, trying to sneak in the building that's getting shot. And they're like, no. So they shoot him. And then the show, he does not have a pistol. Alan A. Stone's report states that the Branch Davidians did not ambush the ATF, and they apparently did not maximize the kill of the ATF ATF agents explaining that they were rather desperate religious fanatics expecting an apocalyptic ending in which they were destined to die defending their sacred ground and destined to achieve salvation. So, like, they're religiously motivated to stay here in this building. Yes. And I think they're also saying they could have fucked up more people, but they didn't. ATF agents established contact with Koresh and others inside the compound after they withdrew. The FBI took command soon after as a result of the deaths of federal agents placing Jeff Jamar ahead of the Bureau's San Antonio field office in charge of the siege as site commander. The FBI Hostage Rescue Team, HRT, Hostage Rescue Team, they say that a lot, uh, was headed. But HRT Commander Richard Rogers, who had previously been criticized for his actions during the Ruby Ridge incident. If you watch the series, Ruby Ridge is at the beginning of the series. It goes badly. It was not handled properly. So they learned from that incident and carried that knowledge over to Waco. <laughs> Where they also didn't do it good. Good job. As at, but they didn't fuck up as bad as they did in Waco. Yeah. As at Ruby Ridge, Rogers often overrode the side commander at Waco. Like, I understand that you're my boss, but I have, like, really good ideas. So I'm going to step over you. At first, the Davidians had telephone contact with local news media and David gave phone interviews. The FBI cut Davidian communication to the outside world for the next 51 days. Communication with those inside was by telephone by a group of 25 FBI negotiators. So in the series, it seems like it's only two dudes. This is saying it was 25 people. So I was like. I don't know how you keep, like, but I wonder if one hostage negotiator was the one person that he almost always talked to. But yeah. this is in 25 negotiators. The final Justice Department report found that negotiators criticized the tactical commanders for undercutting negotiations. And that is shown there, too. It's like, why would we negotiate when we just go in and shoot them? The thing, how much time that would save. Oh, my goodness. In the first few days, the FBI believed they had made a breakthrough when they negotiated with Koresh an agreement, the Branch Davidians would peacefully leave the compound in, in return for a message recorded by Koresh being broadcast on national radio, which they did that. 
and people thought he was nuts. Except one guy that said his theology was actually not too bad off, and I yeah. don't know exactly how. But how many people are was. so well versed in theology that be like, ah, he's got that right? Most of us don't know anything about well, it, right? So to us, he would sound nuts, especially me. I sound nuts. The broadcast was made, but Crush then told negotiators that God had told him to remain in the building and wait. Despite this, soon afterwards, negotiators managed to facilitate the release of 19 children, ranging in ages from five months to 12 years old, without their parents. So they didn't show this as much. They did show some kids leaving, I think, Mm -hmm. but it was 19 of them and without their parents. However, 98 people remained in the building. The children were then interviewed by the FBI and Texas Rangers, some for hours at a time. Allegedly, the children had been physically and sexually abused long before the standoff. This was the key justification offered by the FBI, both to President Bill Clinton and Attorney General Janet Reno. The best Janet Reno thing I ever saw was they were making fun of him on Saturday Night Live and Will Ferrell was Janet Reno. (laughs) And he makes somebody stand on her stand on his back while he does push ups. (laughs) Justification for launching tear gas to force the Branch Davidians out of the compound. So they're saying in the series, they pull out the kids and go, these kids aren't abused. Like, they're fine. So I was like, but you also can't tell by looking at them. And, but the parents, like, let the children go, which seems really, like, here, let, take my kids. I'm going to say, if your religion requires you to put your kids second to it, I'm not going to agree with it. Like, your, you just go with your kids. Do the religion thing later. Make sure yeah, your they're kids gonna, are okay. They're going to remember this. Yeah, that mom and dad sent me out. I was like, just go with your kids, damn it. Jesus Christ. Okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> During the siege, the FBI sent a video camera to the Branch Davidians. In the videotape made by David's followers, Crush introduced his children and his wives to the FBI negotiators. This is this is Margaret, and this is Helen, and this is Judith, and this is Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> And they get younger as I go, <laughs> including several minors who claim to have had babies fathered by Kresh. Kresh had fathered perhaps 14 of the children who stayed with him in the compound. That was another thing in the show. One of the wives who was really married to one of his closest confidants, they couldn't have kids. She bangs David. They have a kid. So he's like, I want that baby to go to get out of here. And he goes, funny, because it's not really your baby, is it? It's like, no, because you're banging my wife for me. Yep. So I don't know how accurate that yep. is or isn't, but he did have a lot of kids that he didn't let them leave because they're my kids. Why would I let them leave? And they really shamed people for there for be like, I want to go. Like this is bad. Shame, Shame. and that's a big thing. <clears throat> like I can't believe you would give up on us now. I'm like, yeah, but I have a kid. They were just like, mm, screw the kids. Yeah, they're like, well, it's, it's like I don't know. It was a big justification to keep the kids there to protect them. Several <laughs> Branch Davidians made statements in the video one day. On day nine, the Branch Davidians sent out the videotape to show the FBI that they were not no, no hostages, but in fact, everyone was staying inside of their own free will. This video also included a message from Crush. Negotiators' logs showed that when the tapes were reviewed, there was concern that the tapes released to the media would gain sympathy for Koresh and the Branch Davidians. Like, God, this makes them look kind of fuzzy, warm and fuzzy, and we don't like that. The video also showed 23 children still inside the compound. As the siege continued, Crush negotiated more time, alleging so that he could write religious documents, which he said needed to be completed before his surrender. And they had the one woman in the show with a busted finger typing. I was like, you can't. You can't. You can't. It was the seven, the seals. That was his big thing was seven seals. I'm going to break open the seal. And I kept picturing like a wax seal. I was like, does he have those in his closet that he cracked? He needed to write something for the many-faced God. Yes. (laughs) 
His conversations, dense with biblical imagery, alienated the federal negotiators who treated the situation as a hostage crisis. Just amongst themselves, the negotiator teams took to calling these diatribes Bible babble, which it would. If I have no babble, experience, babble. I have no experience in religion, whatever, except for my so many years as Catholic education, and you're rambling about shit that I don't understand. Yeah, I'd be like, I get that you're probably right. You're probably quoting this all right. And under any other situation, I'd be like, yeah, you're probably right. But right now, I don't understand a goddamn thing you're saying, and I need you to come out of that building. <laughs> That's exactly how it went down. Yeah. yeah. As the siege wore on, two factions developed within the FBI, one believing negotiating to be the answer, the other force. Increasingly aggressive techniques were used to try to force the Branch Davidians out. For instance, sleep deprivation of the inhabitants by means of all-night broadcasts of recordings of jet planes, pop music, chanting, and the screams of rabbits being slaughtered. Not pop music. Not pop music. (laughs) Well, we heard dolphins in there. Like, when they, on the show. (laughs) 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 So, yeah, they were keeping them from sleeping, which is just so dumb. I don't, you don't make good decisions Mm -hmm. when you don't get enough sleep. Outside the compound, nine (laughs) Bradley fighting vehicles carrying tear gas grenades and ferret rounds and five M728 combat engineer vehicles obtained from the U.S. Army began patrolling. So they got heavy artillery and the big tanks carrying the tear gas. Like, they already know we're going to do this. Whether No matter what, we're going to do this. Um, the armored vehicles were used to destroy perimeter fencing and outbuildings and crush cars belonging to the Branch Davidians. What car did they crush that was his? A Camaro, I think, on the show. It was, a, it was like, no, I can't I replace think it was that. A, I think it was a GTO or okay, something. Okay, something goes, armored vehicles repeatedly drove over the grave of Branch Davidian Peter Gr- Peter Gent despite protests. So it was like blatantly, we do not care. Do not care. Eventually, the FBI cut all the power and water to the compound, forcing those inside to survive on rainwater and stockpiled MRE rations. Criticism was later leveled by Schneider's attorney, Jack Zimmerman. The point was this. They were trying to cause sleep deprivation and they were trying to take someone that they viewed as unstable to start with and trying to drive him crazy. And then they got mad because they did something that made him crazy. You don't say. It's like, yeah, it's like, I already think you're nuts. So I'm going to deprive you of sleep to make you crazier. And it's also these people, I think, were used to living kind of rough without water, clean, you know, electricity, yeah. stuff like So it didn't. I mean, it's not comfortable. Despite the increasingly aggressive tactics, Koresh ordered a group of followers to leave. Eleven people left and were arrested as material witnesses, with one person charged with conspiracy to murder. The children's willingness to stay with Koresh disturbed the negotiators. However, as the siege went on, the children were either aware slash told that the earlier group of children who had left with some women were immediately separated and the women were arrested. Like, if you go, you're going to get all separated and arrested. Mm -hmm. So, like, fuck that shit. During the siege, a number of scholars who study apocalypticism and religious groups attempted to persuade the FBI at the siege tactics by being used by government agents who would only reinforce the impression with the branch of Indians that they were part of a biblical end of times con- confrontation. This would likely increase the chances of a violent and deadly mm-hmm. outcome. Yeah. Like you're reenacting what they think is going to happen. Like you are literally making him a true prophet because he said, then bitch is going to come shoot up our doors. And they're like, okay. And he goes, look, they're here, shooting up our doors. What did I tell you? Mm-hmm. I told you that was going to happen. I told you. <laughs> the religious scholars pointed out the beliefs of the group may have appeared to be extreme, but to the Branch Davidians, their religious beliefs were deeply meaningful, and they were willing to die for them. They just assume if I make your life uncomfortable enough, you'll give up on your religious beliefs. It's like, maybe someone like me would have, but these people are not. Yeah, that's kind of naive to mm-hmm. think. I just assume that because I would relinquish my beliefs that you sh- you will too like no some people like got that face shit going good 
Koresh's discussions with the negotiating team became increasingly difficult. He proclaimed that he was the second coming of Christ and had been commanded by his father in heaven to remain in the compound. FBI planners considered using the snipers to kill David Koresh and possibly other key Branch Davidians, like they did at Ruby Ridge, and that went real well. The FBI can voice concern that the Branch Davidians might commit mass suicide, as had happened in 1978 at... Jonestown. Jonestown, yeah. And where is Jim Jones from? Indiana. Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Dad grew up like a few... They had several houses in that area, the Keystone area that they moved around in, but Dad grew up in that area. Yeah, it was like five, five miles, I think he was from them. We looked it up. We swear good things happen here, too. <laughs> yeah, but that's funny. Then he, Joe from Infamous, and he does a good parts on either one part or two. He interviews Jim Jones's son. Pretty sure. Hmm. Koresh had repeatedly denied any plans for mass suicide when confronted by negotiators during the during the standoff, and people leaving the compound had not seen any such preparation. They're like, we have Kool-Aid, not Flavor-Aid. So we're not going to kill ourselves. <laughs> Just fucked up. And we've come to the final assault. And we're going to leave it there. Okay, okay, cool. So yeah, Jim Jones, that was here. What was the connection? That we have a Waco, Indiana? Waco, Indiana. Jim Jones from Indiana. And there's a third one, too. I'm not going to tell you about it yet. Oh. <laughs> okay. So that's all bonkers. That's crazy shit. Carla, play that one video, please. <laughs> what one video? <laughs> this will make you happy. This, we're going to end on a better note instead of the... You know, you know siege. Um, this I watched this video and it instantly reminded me of my niece. <laughs> and let me turn the sound on because all the way up. Something about four-year-olds. And she, it's a four-year-old playing functions. a guitar. Four-year-olds wrote a song. And harping on bodily functions. <laughs> I mean, at least, at least our child doesn't talk about what is inside your rectum. She wants to know what's coming out. Yeah. She's more like poopy, huh? Poop, butt, poop. What's inside your butthole? What's inside your butthole? But she said maybe it's astronauts. Maybe it's astronauts. Maybe it's aliens. What's inside your butthole? I always want to know. It's going to be stuck in your head. What's inside your butthole? Oh, we'll find out. Coughing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just get a, I'll just get a flashlight. What's okay. inside your butthole? What's inside your butthole? I really want to know. <laughs> she was playing the guitar kind of with it, though, wasn't she? It's pretty good. Okay, that's. I think that's all I got. I think that's it. This will be part one. There'll be part two. If you have not received stickers and want to double check that, that's really going to happen. Which is the same group of people that have been have not received their stickers for the last consecutive 80 episodes. <laughs> no, that's not true. Resend me your address. If not, I'll try to go dig through everything and find them. But I just don't want to miss anyone. So she doesn't want to put in too much effort either. Yeah. If you want to try to get a free sticker out of Danielle, yeah, you, you do that. Just put your just give your name anyways, and yeah. she'll probably go. Okay. Oh, I don't know. Well, yeah. If you want to circumvent the system and just get a sticker out of it, just send me your address. Yep. She's not going to go double check. Nope, because these I mean, are tough really, times. That really says a lot more about you than it does about us. It's just tough times now. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Right. We're in this together. We're all yeah, with this. Yeah, with all the fucking celebrities. <laughs> yep. Okay. Anything else? Tell them where to find us. 
um, Instagram and Twitter at Who's Your Homicide. Uh, we have a Facebook. You can like us and send messages. I think Danielle mm-hmm. responds. I, I communicate the most on Instagram because she does my the generation. most on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Who knew? Who knew? Um, and we're on all the podcast the things. things. The but if you're listening to this, you already know that. There's something about Himalayan, an app that I think we get reviews on. I haven't even checked it. I didn't even know it was HimalayanSaltLamps.com. Oh, I love Himalayan. I have one. It provides me a several. lot of comfort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My Himalayan salt lamp. They are salty. And if you like it, don't. One <laughs> 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 of the jokes is like you're in someone's like apartment or whatever for the first time. They leave the room and you're like, the one urge you have to suppress is do not lick the salt lamp. Do not lick the salt lamp. <laughs> okay. And for honest to goodness, stay out, out of the, the corn. corn. Stay out of Waco. What's inside your bowl? <laughs>